Sup, fool. This is the Sore Losers BMX Podcast. My name is Justin Kobley, and I'm Keith. I'm drunk. <laughs> and I'm here with the co-bro, Austin Mazer. He's in Mallorca, Spain, living the dream. And today we're going to talk about some videos we've been watching, some spots we've been riding, and whatever else comes from there. So, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. That was only the second time I did the intro, yeah. so we're doing okay. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I wanted to ask how the Queen's Kid premiere was yesterday. It was yesterday, yeah, right? Yeah, so yesterday, Saturday, October 2nd, was the Queen's Kids video premiere which uh, I think it's been in the works for like six years. Like I've been hearing rumors about it for a long time because we get together with them to like mooch off their spots like probably, you know, every couple months we'll go link up with them because they got a lot of cool shit to ride and they're just a bunch of good dudes to hang out with. And yeah, last night was the uh, video premiere. So... We kind of had like a weird lazy day because we knew the premiere was at seven theoretically and still wanted to ride street for the day, but we didn't really want to be riding super early all day and then have to stay late for the premiere because obviously like you go to the premiere, you watch the video and you nobody's just going to leave from there right. unless you got somewhere to be like you're hanging out, you're like talking up the, the boys about their video <laughs> like yo this clip is sick you know this song is cool whatever so yeah we kind of wanted to have a chill day so road queens uh we didn't really have a plan so like we started at the astoria banks you know the, the classic red brick yeah, banks classic. and uh i didn't even really want to go there but Fred like you was guys have been hyped. there like we, i've gone there so much in the last three four months yeah we yeah. go like every other weekend so like there was a period of time where like no, you guys just i mean even when i would be there like we just wouldn't ever go and then i feel like in recent times now it's like almost in every weekend seemingly in every weekend mission to just go there so this time i'll blame it on fred because yeah. we, we were planning on going to like the astoria maloof area and Fred suggested we go there because he wanted, I guess, like just a fun spot to session. And uh, Fred actually ended up uh, like bailing and falling on his back. So yeah. he was kind of like not really uh, able to ride the rest of the day. He wasn't feeling so good. But I think it was nothing too bad. Mm -hmm. Like I think he fell and the part of his back that's like actually been the, the main issue. He didn't hurt that. But because he keeps, I guess, like his lower middle back so straight, he bent it elsewhere and he's worried that it, you know, it could be a problem. Right. So he's going to be taking it easy for a little while, but I don't think he's, uh, he's, you know, back to square one by any means. He didn't break his spine, but. And was it like, like, did he actually injure himself or he kind of fell in a way that like got him kind of conscious about. Oh, I kind of 
did this and it just because he's spent so much time just having like you know perfect posture and not really bending much that like he kind of just felt you know weird by it yeah i think it was more of that than anything i don't think he like he didn't injure himself like i think his back was hurting a little bit Mm. enough to like make him worried and it was sort of like a little bit of a not a wake-up call but it was like uh, a yellow flag that like he should take it easy and like you know ease into it a little slower and maybe like do some more exercises to like strengthen his back and figure out a way to ride without hurting anymore which is hard it's kind of like how do you ride a bike without falling i feel like you can't and like you know fred mentioned this you know in our in our group chat and stuff but like you know kind of him going back to his doctors and trying to figure out a course of action of because i've been thinking this like you know he's been riding and stuff like now and like trying to so hard to keep a very straight like a straight back perfect posture while riding a bmx bike which is kind of i don't feel like riding a bmx bike a 20 inch bike you're naturally kind of at least a little bit hunched over to an extent and stuff but i'm thinking like I feel like at a certain point, I don't know the extent of, you know, every detail of his injury and what happened and like how it's healed. But I got to imagine at some point he's got to have some sort of get some sort of fluid motion back to his his spine and not all the time having to be worried, like keeping his back perfectly straight all the time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I've I've kind of mentioned that a little bit. And he said that there is going to be like a time when his back can uh, bend a little bit more, but he doesn't feel that he's at that point yet. And also like, it's, I think it's something that's really hard to judge because he's worked so hard to have like perfect posture without a brace or anything. And it's like changed the way that he just does everything, the way that he stands and rides a bike and walks and, picks things up and he has like especially when his uh back was really bad he had like a 12-step routine on like I how mean, to get I out mean, of a I chair i remember he gave you and me like a little seminar in your in your kitchen once yeah like showing yeah, us that. like everything like how he gets up from a seated position or has he has to kneel down and, mm-hmm. and all these like little moves that he did he taught me the hip hinge that's an interesting yeah. one where yeah. you like you can bend forward up to a certain point just by bending at the hips and you don't yeah. let your back bend at all. Yeah, I don't know. It's And I guess also tough, like him, yeah. you know, maybe, again, I don't know how like healed his, his thing is and everything, but like how, you know, he, he has that massage gun now and he was saying he has to, use that for his like upper quads because he can't bend or stretch in a in a way to effectively you know stretch them like himself yeah he was saying that the massage gun allowed him to like loosen up muscles that he couldn't stretch by bending because he would be afraid of like bending his spine too too far in a certain way and re-injuring it yeah and i feel like that's maybe 
a lot of this time now is like he's he's pain free enough to start riding his bike and doing other things, but maybe in his head he doesn't want to bend in a certain way because he's scared that it'll bring him back to you know back to the beginning. Yeah, I think so- the fall yesterday, uh it wasn't something so severe that he can't ride again but i think it just made him aware that he's maybe not at a hundred percent yet and he needs to still figure out you know a way around keeping his back perfectly straight all the time and never falling off his bike but after he fell so i didn't meet up with him until after he fell so i didn't i don't i didn't get to see what happened but i think he was trying to feeble across the bank to bank ledge chat the the ledge that goes between two banks mm-hmm. at the Astoria banks. And I think he like messed up the feeble and kind of got like bucked over the bars and landed on his back, which is mm. a pretty bad way to fall. Yeah. Especially like there's not much you can do when you're going over the bars, like in a weird position. So, but then he was yeah. doing like flat threes after and he was like, uh, it's trying to like fakey across the the big open section and then half cab the three stair so he was still riding after and like he seemed okay but i think it just spooked him plus i feel like you got to have some sort of confidence like i you know as you said like he didn't see it nor did i but to fall like that and then to still be able to ride and stuff and more just like it be uh okay more of like a sign like okay maybe i should chill out a little bit yeah, I, like I think he went a, a too hard, too least, quick. You know that's that what that's what it felt like to me because he's been riding like every day yeah. for like a couple weeks, and to go from like two years of not riding straight into to, like daily is a lot. Especially because I feel like the things that he's been doing have been, you know, filming one eighty feeble clips or you know shit yeah, that he been was doing before and, he before he got injured. Yeah, he did a 180 backwards feeble, backwards X up grind. Yeah. For a clip. After so like two years of not after riding. Two years of not to, riding. Yeah. So definitely did not take a an easy ramp into riding. Yeah. I think he should take his pegs off completely, maybe put brakes on and just like come cruise the just skate so park. He, how he, like, come to hunts and just like ride ramps mm-hmm. smooth. But yeah, it's hard when you want to ride street. It's riding parks yeah. is not the same. Yeah, but I feel like you would think, I mean, Fred's smart enough to realize that he needs to, like you said, take off the pegs and kind of give himself no other option than to, okay, there's nothing on this bike. I can't grind. I need to just relax, go to the skate park and just pump around and Let's do some manuals. Yeah. Yeah. Get, get better at riding transition. Exactly. He's never been. I feel like that. Guy. I, I mean, Fred likes Huntington, for example. Like, I think he likes riding ramps. And I, given that, you know, in this scenario, he wouldn't have pegs on or anything. Like, it would give him that, like, okay, no, I have to learn to ride transition better. Or I need to, you know, like, he's not like, okay, I'm just going to ride the, the flat ledge and do X of grinds now. So I Yeah, in theory. But, like, knowing stubborn-ass Fred, he would probably start doing like pedal grinds, pedal grinds and like crank yeah. <laughs> like he would just have to slam his bike into a ledge 
in some yeah, sometimes form. he's just all or nothing he's like listen if i'm not gonna do, fucking do grinds i'm not gonna ride and that's it yeah i think i'm guilty of uh getting that way a lot of times too yeah especially after an injury so yeah, it happens so yeah i guess if you want to hear more about our buddy fred drew and his back injury we did a podcast with him episode 20 i believe and uh he talked about you know minor stuff like breaking your spine and not being able to ride for two years and how to deal with that so yeah some minor stuff that's a something light if you want to check it out (laughs) (laughs) so uh, i rambled on for a while about fred but i should talk about the queen's kids video so yeah we rode daytime session kind of drove to a bunch of different spots and didn't get to ride much but we finally drove to Maloof Park, and then we went and rode this, like, endless row of uh, little benches. Mm. And we had, like, maybe an hour of daylight to ride the ledges. before We probably got there at, like, 6, and the premiere was at 7. What time so, did you guys even go out riding? I guess you probably spent a lot of time uh, at Astoria. I don't want to talk about banks. it. So, Fred and gang, I mean, they went to the Astoria banks. They were there probably at, like... I want to say like 12.30, 1 p.m. I got there at like 2. I had to do some like boring adulting, laundry and food shopping and that's about All it. good stuff. Yeah, the fun stuff. I used to do that shit Saturday morning, get it out of the way. And then Saturday afternoon, evening is BMX time. And then yeah. Sunday is do nothing, record a podcast <laughs> time. <laughs> So I like I like that schedule, but sometimes it's hard when you got to go drive an hour to ride in Queens. Yeah. But anyway, I I met up at like three o'clock and rode the Astoria Banks probably for like an hour or so before Craig said he was leaving, and Craig has still like a thirty-ish minute drive. Yeah. So we met up with Craig at Queens College. This like really dialed campus that's like five minutes from Maloof Park. Like it's literally just a straight shot down 495, probably like two exits at most. Mm -hmm. But we tried to ride there, couldn't get into the campus. Like we rode through a gate and the security guard just jumped out of the booth. It was like not happening guys. Like I think, I don't even think we got close enough to talk to him because we just, we just did a U-turn and we're like, it's not happening. Fuck. And we tried to find another entrance into the college and the place was just locked down. So like the story goes, we went and rode there during like the peak pandemic. Like I want to say it was like February or March of 2020, Mm -hmm. Uh, just Craig and I, and the campus was deserted. Like all the entrances were just wide open. There was like maybe like maintenance people walking around, but we rode every spot we could find. Nobody kicked us out and we just left on our own accord because we had filmed our clips and we were tired. <laughs> so we, we kind of were like, oh, Queens College, we can just go there. You know, yeah. it worked last time. Walk but right in. Yeah, we just strolled right in and yeah, it's uh, not the situation anymore. I'm sure the semester is rolling now too. So yeah. with all the students and staff and stuff like securities doing their thing so yeah so we failed to go to queen's college and we were there at like 
maybe 4.30. And then there's at least like one or two spots we kind of scoped in the neighborhood. Uh, I tried to grind a handrail by putting some tri-flow chain lubricant on it. That's all Pepe had in his bag. Uh, and it was an aluminum rail with plastic pegs. So basically, if you don't have wax, it's not going to slide. Yeah. And kind of just crossed my fingers and jumped on it once. And, you know, luckily it was short. So I slid enough just to get down it. Just to get off of it. But you could feel like when you jump on something like that, it's slowing you down as soon as you get on it. And like, if you try to do anything out of it, it's just going to like dead hop you. Like I wanted to try maybe like pegs hard or something. And that was no bueno. Yeah. Not having wax on a rail like that. I mean, I saw the clip and. I can just tell. Yeah, I think just I think I came off breaks. the end and I was like, doesn't slide good. Yeah. No. <laughs> like I just like yelled, I blurted something out. Yeah. So so yeah, that was basically the extent we rode Queens College area. And that, that probably got us to like five thirty. And then from there we drove to Maloof. Couldn't find parking at first because it's the weekend and it's a really popular park. So took us a minute to park. Then we had, for some reason, I guess it made sense because we pedaled, we parked in Maloof Park where the premiere was happening. Mm-hmm. And then we pedaled through the length of the park, like basically to Met Stadium toward yeah. the water. And then that's when we rode the bench spot. So that's why we only rode for an hour, right. basically. Craig, Craig was super aggro because he uh, didn't get to ride queen's college at all really and he wanted to film some clips so basically I, I filmed craig for like 45 minutes and then i got a couple of my own insta clips in like 10 15 minutes basically like at the buzzer the sun when craig finished his two two tricks the sun was already down like it was yeah. just it was into like pre-dusk i was like fuck i'll just film some like easy shit so I wanted to film something. And it's just a fun spot. It's just like a yeah, good I don't session. Think I've ever, I don't know if I've ever seen it before. You've never Definitely, never I've definitely never ridden it. Damn. Yeah, you should. You, we should definitely get there when you're visiting over yeah. the winter. Mm-hmm. It's, it's on the water, so it's a little bit of like a chilly spot. But yeah, it's worth yeah, the session. Yeah, I just feel like the times that we go to that area, we just always end up like you know on the side where you did the 180 t-bog over the bench and there's those like weird sidewalk box jumps we basically don't leave the maloof slash astoria park the one like a a queen's day is basically just the the perimeter of of maloof skateboard yeah exactly so yeah next time next time we'll make a point to get there yeah but Okay, maybe uh, I'll actually talk about the Queens Kids video for a second. All right. I've gone like hour by hour (laughs) through my day. (laughs) So the Queens Kids video was fucking sick. Definitely, definitely worth trying to grab a copy or at least keeping an eye out until the footage ends up on YouTube or something. I think the plan is to put it online in the long run, but they're going to start off with hard copies maybe some sort of digital download. I think they're still figuring out the details, but they've been filming the video for like six years and it's a pretty tight crew. 
Um, I was surprised there wasn't a friend section in the video, which I thought was interesting, but it didn't, it didn't, uh, make the video bad, mm-hmm. but I was just surprised, you know, like, cause normally when you're filming like a crew video, you end up collecting like weird random clips of people yeah. and you're like, oh, I guess I gotta make a friend section. Especially like that crew. I don't know, like always with. They're you with know. everyone. They're exactly, they're homies yeah. with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Like the premiere had everybody came out from like the city, Brooklyn, mm-hmm. Queens. Uh, I was talking to these dudes from Syracuse oh, that yeah. came just for the premiere. They were yeah. telling me Syracuse has a bunch of good spots. Shit. So yeah, yeah. They got plenty of friend section worthy friends, but chose not Maybe to do that a friend was the section. Point fuck we got too many people let's just keep it with the the core dudes and that's it yep so matt smith had the opener part and he fucking killed it like really good what, what was the riding run, like the runtime of the video how long was it i want to i want to say it was maybe around 30 minutes i didn't i yeah, wasn't timing solid. it yeah. yeah it was definitely a solid length video but friend section obviously would have pushed it over a bit right but I don't think it needed one. I just thought mm-hmm. that was something interesting because pretty much friend sections are uh, unavoidable. Yeah, but they yeah. pulled it off, so it's so a props to them. But yeah, Matt Smith's part, bunch of good rail riding, tech riding, ledges. Like, you know, he's got sort of like that modern style. Like, he's really good at crooks, yeah. really yeah, good at like guy. the hard way tricks. Yeah. Wrote a bunch of handrails. His ender is crazy. It's on the um, what is that kink trail? The one in the Queens, Brookville the Brookville Kinker. Yeah, the one that um, Ooh. the Vic Ayala Predator yeah. Kinker. Yeah, his section's good. Anthony Cantor, mm-hmm. his section's really good. Just like smooth, good, good riding to watch. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, he reminds just... me like a bit of like Chase to Heart, where he just like makes tricks look good and like doesn't have to do the crazy effortless hardest tricks. He just does it effortless. Yeah. Right. So his part's tight. Pepe actually has like a shout out in the video. Yeah. Pepe is probably the only person who has like a friend's clip. Maybe. Yeah. So Pepe's Pepe's in there. Just his voice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um so yeah, Anthony's section's good. Jin's section, obviously really good. Yeah. He's got like his own style that, you know, pegless free coaster, does like dialed street turndowns, crank flips, like he's just classic street, like storm doors and like good setups. Yeah. His part's really good. I'm blanking on the fourth guy's name. Because I've never really ridden with him. But there's another section that was solid too. I can't think of his name. Feel bad. Didn't really uh, spend a ton of time preparing to discuss the video in depth. Because I only watched it once. We're going we're gonna to do another podcast specifically about the Queens Kids video. Yeah. With at least one member to talk to. Probably Matt Smith. So... Yeah, we can go into detail later when I've had some more watches on the video. There's a yeah, skate section, I like to, which I thought was like cool. To see it by then. 
Yeah, the guy who edited the video, he's a skateboarder. He's like one of their homies from like growing up. Oh, okay. And he actually did a really good job with the edit. Like spent a lot of time like doing a handful of like good transitions and like mm-hmm. funny effects and stuff that like I think worked for the video, for the crew video style. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't just kind of thrown together. Just like, all right, clips, throw the song on and, and that's it. Yeah, you could tell he like put in work put to make the yeah. video. And uh, I was talking to Matt Smith after and he was telling me like they had a lot of input on the editing. Uh, like they would go, you know, like go over to his house and like, you know, watch his like early cuts of it and say, oh, I want to put this clip later in the part, you know, told him like I want to use this song over this song, yada, yeah. yada. So that's sick. But yeah, the video turned out really good. Uh, I don't know if I'm ever going to come on here and say a video of my homies was bad because yeah. that would be fucked up. But I really mean it. I enjoyed the video a lot and I'm looking forward to watching it like on my own screen where I can yeah, hear it a little to better it. too. It's tough. It's tough to like watch a video at a premiere outside because like they they had basically I think they use Maloof Park as well as you could for a premiere. You know, Maloof has the like big stair set yeah. with the rail and the banks and stuff next to it. Basically, everybody sat there. And then they set up the projector downstream of that. But I was sitting, I want to say kind of in the nosebleed section. I was like up and to the right. Like I was at the top step all the way over to the right. Mm -hmm. So I could see the video fine because it's a big ass projector screen. But I couldn't hear like the details of the audio. So I think some some of the experience was lost. So I'm, I'm hyped to see the video in a quiet place with volume control. To really appreciate it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, what was it? What did they film with? It was filmed on VXs. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say. They like that's that's just a, a running theme now <laughs> that every full-length video we talk about is still filmed on VXs. Yeah. Films on VXs, or we talk shit about VXs because of how good the the quality is on with the HD cameras. Yeah, without yeah, without I mean, a doubt, VXs are brought up in a good way or a bad way. Yeah, in some form or another. Yeah, I miss them. You know, I feel like I get a similar satisfaction just holding the HVX compared yeah. to the VX, because like when you go from a VX, a camcorder with a top handle and a built-in mic and a you know all you gotta do is decide am i gonna film fisheye or long lens Mm -hmm. it's such a simple process for filming clips like it it works so well for filming bmx and then when you switch to like a dslr or a mirrorless camera it becomes like building like a model airplane every time you want to film you're like okay i gotta attach the handle i have to Maybe put on the microphone, put on a monitor, have to decide what lens is going on because it doesn't just have, you know, like a built-in lens on all those bodies unless you leave the lens on, so. Yeah, that was like, uh, oh, it's funny, I just reminded myself of something. When uh, we were in Paris, you know, doing that FTL trip thing, uh, 
No, I just remind me because remember I, I texted you about uh, filming rock clips for the rock video. So yeah, me. Uh, I think Matt Smith got a, a rock clip. Did he? Yeah. Hell yeah! I didn't know that. I think he got a rock clip, and then maybe Canova got one. Nice. Yeah, I think there was at least maybe like three clips, and uh, yeah, so like I kind of just did like a, a clip because there was a bunch of rocks like down this sidewalk. I saw. I, I think you did, said the one you sent me a photo of, right? Yeah. yeah and I just kind of did a, just a chiller, like kind of basically riding down the sidewalk, trying to hit as many as I could. Just smashing all the rocks in your path. Yeah, and it was just like I, it was just like a first try little thing. Like, you know, I had uh, Alex film it, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm not really gonna do much. Just kind of ride through and hit them and stuff." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Okay, let let me just set up and then." Do you set up the, the whole, gimbal? Yeah, it was the whole uh, yeah. process of like, you know, set putting the fish eye on, putting the handle, putting the gimbal, and I was like, "Shit, I feel yeah. bad. Like, I just wanted to do this two seconds, and that was it." Yeah, it was legit. Like. The gimbal can take he, like he thirty minutes. Set it to up, set up like a yeah, good, it's it's a process. Ten fifteen minutes getting it like stabilized, resetting it, you know the whole, the whole shit, and then we go over there. Like he's running with me, and that was it. I was like, all right, yeah, I'm done. And I was like, I feel bad because it was just <laughs> you spent more time thing. setting yeah. up the camera and then tearing yeah, it down exactly. than filming the actual trick. Yeah, I mean, luckily, I think. After that, then Matt Smith had Alex film something with the, with the gimbal. So in the end, it worked out like he was going to use it anyway. But at the time, I was like, fuck, I feel bad. It's like a two-second clip for 30 minutes of just putting the camera on the on the gimbal. But, yeah, I feel you. Grant C. did but a similar thing. In that thing. moment, I was just like, man, fuck this. Like carrying all, the, like, all this, like you said, like, you were probably ready to just airplane. do it, right? You were like, you probably like kind of did a, a quick like run through where you like bumped, you, you know, you did preliminary rock line. We're like, okay, let's film it now. Yeah. And then. Yeah, I'd already been kind of doing it already. You're warmed so, up. Like, you're like riding. Yeah. You don't want to stop. Yeah. 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 Obviously it was like a rock. Another thing is, you know, I feel like we've talked like setting up that the whole process and someone's actually trying something like down a rail something harder and they're kind of like juiced up and motivated in that in that time it's like all right yeah hold on let me set up the the gimbal and it's yep. like kind of just sit there waiting around and and yeah i feel like i don't know i'm not one to normally be in those positions i tend to just do random shit that takes forever but i imagine it's kind of frustrating when you're like in that moment, it's like to to send something, and then the home like he's got to set everything up. I think sure this get- it's a more common theme with like BMX photography, like that is the ultimate right. like setup time because there's like, especially if you're shooting strobes, there's like infinite combinations of flashes and obviously like the composition and the lens you're going to use and it just takes a long time to like yeah. set up, set the flash power, you know, decide in all your settings and like it can take 30, 40 minutes. Like uh, I was lucky to shoot a photo with Scott Marceau pretty early on when I met him. It was uh, like a 180, the 180 over a bump to bar rail hop. 
coincidentally at a Lamborghini dealership. <laughs> I wish you could see that like in the photo, but yeah. But yeah, Scott, I wasn't into photography at the time, but Scott set up I think like four or five flashes. Like he set up flashes wow. like at least like two for the the trick for like the actual rail hop at the end, but yeah. then he set up more of them to light the spot itself which I thought was interesting. Like he, he almost like lined up a bunch of flashes like all mm-hmm. over the spot because yeah. he wanted it to look a certain way. And I think he did a digital test shot just to make sure his settings were good. And then he shot the actual photo on medium format film, which you don't oh, get really? to see the photo until it gets developed and it's that. expensive, especially if you're paying a lab to do it. Yeah. But I didn't appreciate any of that at the time. To me, yeah. it was just like, like was the sick. sun is setting. I want to try this 180. I hadn't. I don't think I had done one at that point, but it was a pretty low one. So I thought it was. Yeah. It was in my. I feel like that was your first one because I remember reach. talking to you about it. I wasn't there, but I remember you telling me about it. He definitely shot at least like a full roll of film, just of like tries. Oh yeah. Because I don't remember him saying like, "Yo, hold up, I gotta like reload the film." So I think it was at least, because it was on a, a Hasselblad, which is a 6x6 medium format camera. So you get 12 exposures. So I did it in at least 12 tries, I think. <laughs> but yeah, it, it took Scott, you know, at least probably like 30 minutes to set up. And me being like antsy to try the trick felt like way longer. But I was yeah. also like, well, Scott Marceau wants to take my photo. So I guess I'll just suck it up and... Yeah let him take his time but i was like oh no it's getting dark yeah also i feel like he go the other way too like you're like maybe feeling something out photographer's like all right i'm gonna get ready to be proactive and that way when you're ready to do it i'm there and then you're kind of like you know maybe you don't want to do it or having second thoughts and they just set up all their camera equipment all the flashes and everything, and you're kind of like, shit, I mean, he set everything up, but I don't really feel it, and mm-hmm. so I imagine that's kind of a pain, too. Yeah, and flashes just themselves can be a little bit touchy to where you got to just, like, make sure they're all syncing. You got to make sure that, like, the batteries are all charged, like, because especially if you're using, like, professional-level, like, studio strobes, they basically use like a car battery to power them. Yeah. And that shit is a pain. Takes a lot of juice. I can imagine. So how did we get here? We were talking about setting up cameras. Oh yeah, we're talking uh, about uh the Queen's the, Kids video yeah. filmed on yeah. DXs. Yeah. So shout out to those guys for still using yeah. the old Dino Cam with the mini D V. I I personally still like the way the footage looks. Like I definitely feel the nostalgia mm-hmm. for those three CCDs, those those kind of like crunchy colors. Yeah. And it's cool they know how to set a VX proper, so the footage looked good. At least, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because sometimes you, you know, you see the videos of like filmed on the VXs or SD or whatever, and then it's kind of just not set right or it's from the camera like fuzzy like the you know the 
focus was all fucked up. Yeah. And it just makes the experience like, okay, yeah, this is, just makes it even harder to watch. I don't know. Yeah, I think so at least, underexposed footage on VXs looks yeah. completely terrible because it's a, it's a really old sensor and it's not, it, it has like a sweet spot with the exposure where even, even if you're like, like you ever film with a VX where there's like a really dark shadow section of like, say a line and then you go into the bright sunlight and then you're like fucking with the exposure and you can't even yeah. find a happy medium because like if you expose it for the shadows then you go into the sun and it's yep. like you're on the surface of the sun yeah yeah like it's just the sensor is just like cooked yeah but then if you set it for the sun you're it's like nighttime in the shadows yep so yeah the Classic. sensors don't have a ton of dynamic range and don't like to be under or overexposed so you kind of kind of got to know what you're doing to make yeah. the footage look good it's actually it's the same i think with the hvx's because it's also pretty old sensor technology i actually i filmed a clip of pepe where i felt kind of badass doing this i'm gonna see if i can explain it correctly <laughs> i started filming the clip in the shadows okay and i had the camera set manual exposure mm -hmm. so he was doing a trick on like a curved ledge and the rollout of the trick was out in the sun, but then part of the rollout, he would like go back into the shadows again. So it was really tough to like make it work even with auto exposure. Yeah. So I had my, my hand over the auto exposure button while I was filming. And after he lands the trick and he's in the sunlight again, I switch the camera to auto exposure so it brings down the exposure. But then when he rides into the shadows again, it goes back up. Basically, I just did a, a quick auto you exposure kick mid-filming. and It actually worked pretty well. I feel like that's some uh, Mastroni shit. Uh, maybe a bit, maybe a bit. I feel like I say that just because I feel like I've seen some older Mastroni footage where he's done like the quick flip exposure change mid like where you like skateboard yeah, you filming. Just scroll the wheel and like yeah. drop the exposure a couple yeah. stops you know as the person's like pedaling in a line or something especially someone yeah. like mistroni like who i don't know, like his filming he's very you know fisheye zoom clips like he's very he'd be the one to just flip the exposure mid filming because mm -hmm. of a dark area yeah, speaking of Mistroni techniques, I've been meaning to uh, try to film a, a long fish clip. You know, the like the zooming fish technique yep. that I think he borrowed from the O'Shea brothers, mm -hmm. the skate filmers for a happy medium. Right. But now that we've got camcorders again, could just go in on the old long fish, yeah. which I think looks cool in the right uh, context. Yeah, I think it's just... It's a bold move because once you go, once you go long fish, you can't go yeah, back. Uh -uh. So it's it's a commitment. You don't want to fuck that up, especially like I don't know. Got to have the right person to, you know, like all right, yeah, like I'm gonna do this. Like okay, yeah, I'm just gonna film it with fish eye. I'm like okay, and it's like, wait, why are you over there? Like no, mm -hmm. no, no, don't worry, I got it. Don't worry, I got like, this. I know what I'm all doing. Right. You like show them the clip. Like what the fuck is this? <laughs> 
Why can't you just film it What kind of fucking normal? freshman art project are you <laughs> trying to pawn off on me? Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. So I guess, just to recap, watch the Queen's Kids video. It's solid. Uh, I want to say the music was mostly like hip-hop kind mm. of rap, but it was like old school. You know, it was kind of like reminiscent of like the OG like animal videos and the AMPM videos. Yeah. So it had that like, you know, the East Coast vibe to it, which fits the riding and the spots, obviously. And there were a lot of like funny, like borrowed snippets of clips referencing like Queens. Okay. Yeah. So that's good. But uh, as of now, they don't have any any sort of like buying options, right? I think they're going to get copies in Messerol shop. Okay. So I'm pretty sure they have an online store. So I think once there's copies at Messerol, you could probably order them online through them or just go to the shop. Yeah. I'm probably just going to like meet up with them and get a copy. Uh, What were you saying? No, at this point, unless it's a digital download, I'm probably not going to buy anything just because... Uh, no, it's a little bit inconvenient to have it shipped across the yeah, Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I ordered angles. I hit up Scott. I ordered angles from him, like, directly a few weeks ago, maybe. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know how long it takes for DVD mail to come, but I haven't received anything yet. I just feel like sometimes I live, like, it almost seems like I live in a black hole because... It's like I get I order things and they just never arrive. They just like disappear a, in the mail. I've had, a, just ma- a, I've had a merit package that kind of just disappeared since I want to say the twentieth of July. It was oh, the God. last. It was the last update. And since then, I mean, I've been like talked to Mike, months. and he was gracious enough to try to send another package out. And I was like, I was like, listen, I feel bad. Like you don't need to do anything, but like I just at this point, I feel like. Anything that is going to be shipped to me is like, all right, well, if it gets here, it'll be a miracle because I seemingly just live in a black hole. And this is also like the the package not arriving. I want to say this happens, I mean, sometime last year, maybe. I tried to order, it was maybe another something from Merit. And I feel like maybe I it, like I just kind of forgot about it. Like I didn't have any tracking info or anything. I kind of forgot about it. I forgot I even ordered anything. And I mean, it, it worked out. I ended up going back home to visit. And then I feel like, I don't know, I was talking to Mike or Ricky or something. And they're like, oh, yeah, we have a package that we tried to send you. And I got sent back. Like, we'll send it back to you. God damn you know, it. While I was in New York and stuff. And I was like. I get it. And I open the box. They're like, "Oh wow, I forgot I ordered this stuff." <laughs> was that um I'm trying to think? Totally just drew a blank there. <laughs> <laughs> was that when you were visiting here, and you ended up with like duplicate parts? Maybe. Because I think you like hooked me been. up with like some pedals and grips. Oh and yeah, you were for like, sure. Yeah, yeah, they sent me these, but they had already sent the package. Yeah. So I now I have like some extra parts. Yeah. Yeah, because I think I like I visited home, and I'm like, still riding those I'll... pedals, by the way. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. best pedals. They're tight. Uh, the only thing is the I gotta like try to tighten 
the spindle bolt because they're uh really they're a little like rattly hmm. but it's on my pedal ground side so not like a huge surprise yeah and i've been riding Honestly, them for almost a year i get a long time out of bike parts especially those pedals i mean i like them. They, they grip enough pro- but they don't lock your feet in yeah like i've probably ridden p1 pedals i mean way before i was even affiliated with merit mm-hmm. so since then yeah i've just been and then got on merit and stuff and just continued riding them and honestly they last me forever even with doing crank arms pedal feeble shit they just spe- i mean marking aside helps a lot but always yeah but yeah i mean I would silver say sharpie that, or some white out yeah it's an the, essential essential the ex- tip the extent of like the you know wear and tear is i grind down so much on a pedal that like the little white merit side cap kind of falls out mm-hmm. you know that's where the it part exposes I pop the, out the spindle tighten. the spindle bolt and everything but i yep. mean that's like the extent and or, even then it's not like the pedals garbage it's just a random cap yeah i put these pedals on before the we the people perfect strangers two trip mm-hmm. and i ended up doing like a lot of pedal grind clips in that video and at the end of the trip i was like damn i'm gonna need new pedals already like these they're starting to get worn and then they've stayed pretty much the same yeah. since then like the i best. think i just I'm, I'm picky about what i'm gonna pedal grind like i don't right. pedal grind super rough dry ledges because the way that i do them I pretty much put my weight on one corner, and if I do, yeah, enough so you would of just them, wear just out, burn a... through literally yeah. the whole side, and it's done. So, yeah, those are still going strong, despite my best efforts. Yeah, I love them. I really rarely ever change them. So, like, when I'll get parts and stuff, I order a pair, and I kind of just have them for whenever I decide I want to change them. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I was a a firm twisted PC rider for mm-hmm. many years. And then once I realized that pedals could be like bigger and flatter and that was like way nicer. Yeah. I haven't gone yeah, back. That's, a, that's another thing like that pedal I feel like is big, but also has like a nice kind of slim, sleek profile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think a claw did it maybe pretty early on with that. like low profile pedal yeah i rode those like right when they the came out at the time ones, no? no i don't think so they were just um no. dude no, i have I, money I, 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 remember, I remember the ones now i still have those yeah i remember the ones but yeah that like slim low profile pedal works really well yeah and like obviously a lot of companies have adopted that that style now have you ever ridden any of those pedals that the um the spindle is like covered all the way up to the crank arm boss. Primo no, makes them. Like Stranger makes them. I think a claw makes them. Nah, so basically, like you would uh, you need, know how a, like, like a you'd need wrench, an like Allen a... key. No, no, you need an Allen wrench. They only have oh, an Allen wrench no, through the backside. And there's just no cone wrench. Yeah. Uh, like, no thanks. Boss. Yeah. I've already. But apparently, they're, they're really good to ride because your foot. 
I mean, has you have more so surface much... area all the way up to the crank, right. and there's not that like little dead zone between the the pedal body yeah. and the crank arm. I mean, Craig rides him; he likes him. Yeah, yeah, he's had those on for a minute. I feel like. I mean, I don't know. I get the idea. I'm sure it'd be nice, maybe riding it like having that extra. But again, riding like you know my pedals now, I don't think I'm like in need of space I, i'm not like oh wait, man i wish there was more like mm-hmm. platform here so i could move my foot over to the left a bit more like i don't think it's something i really notice maybe if i did tails more i don't know but maybe i just i just when i was younger i had those uh remember like the premium slim pedals mm-hmm. like the i mean they were the, the plastic ones because they had expensive. like the, they had the metal ones so I had the plastic ones and you could like kind of re you could replace the bodies, the, right? Yeah, you it could was, change it had the sealed and bearings stuff. and like you know yeah. replaceable hardware. Exactly. But um yeah, so like on normal pedals where you could put you know a wrench to take the pedal off or you could do the allen key. It where you would use a wrench, it was just a circle, it was just a yeah. circle. Like it was just a spindle smooth round and uh you couldn't get the pedal and then you take it off with the allen key and i remember like trying to take it off and then the allen key ended up stripping and it was like oh, okay God. well if this is stripped now i just now have my, this these are the the pedals that now stay the pedals on these cranks forever yeah yeah so like you know luckily my dad helped me and he we just basically shaved down both sides of the spindle so that we can put a wrench on it mm-hmm. just put an adjustable and then like had to you know make grooves and then Ended up taking it off like that. But after that, I was like, I'm never getting a pedal like this again because if I'm ever to strip the Allen key, which I'm sure now nowadays I probably wouldn't be in that position, but still, I like to have two options. Yeah, I think pedals that don't have the Allen bolt in there kind of annoy me because mm-hmm. sometimes your pedal will come loose and you're out riding and you don't have a pedal wrench. Like who the yeah. fuck carries a pedal wrench yeah, with exactly. them? in their bag unless it's on like a multi-tool which it's not on mine Mm -hmm. so yeah it's nice to have that that allen bolt to tighten them on the fly yeah yeah i don't know plus like you know trying to take your bike apart for a trip and at least me i take a pedal off or yeah i'd say i take one pedal off on whatever side I think the mm-hmm. right side for the uh the old dk yeah golf for bag the, yeah. for the old golf bag i used to take both off because it makes it a little flatter i take i take my but you can there's like a minimum like i've seen people who like don't even take their back wheel off they don't take like half their pegs off i mean at this point i would say i have a pretty good system like i take i take all the pegs off um i leave the back wheel in in the dropouts i put the mm-hmm. front wheel kind of on top of that i take my left crank arm off with the pedal you know just take mm-hmm. the crank arm just off one crank and arm. then i take the and then i take the, the right, non-drive side right yeah that makes and sense and then i take my drive side pedal off and leave the crank arm on and that's the side that sticks up so that way i just don't have a pedal kind of sticking up in the top of my bag 
protruding out of the bag. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, so the classic, like you're trying to take your pedal off and it's just kind of, you know, rusted onto your crank arm Mm -hmm. and trying to take that off sometimes with an Allen key is a nightmare. Oh yeah. You can't get the leverage. Yeah. Pedal wrench leverage. Yeah. So for those reasons, I'm a fan of normal. Fair enough. The OG style. They've burned you once. You don't want to let it happen again. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The premium pedals kind of burned me. And for that reason, no thanks. So just talking about bike bags a little more. Uh, the last time I flew, I used one of those Odyssey. Forget what it's called. I think it's like Gary Young signature bag. Mm-hmm. But it's it's basically the opposite of a DK golf bag. It's the smallest possible bag you could fit a BMX bicycle in. So like the downside is obviously you have to fully disassemble your bike. Like pretty much everything. Both wheels off. All the air out of the tires. Pegs off. I think I just took both pedals off. I think mm. I left both. You left the crank arms? I think I left both crank arms on. Yeah. I think it was a little bit of a tight fit. Yeah. Uh, either way, I watched like the YouTube video of Ryan Fudger putting his bike in. And yeah. like he went through like step by step, like put the frame in, put this wheel here, put this wheel, yada, yada. And it was a pain in the ass to fit a whole bicycle in a tiny bag, but flying with it was the best shit ever. Like but when I checked com- it in, dude, it doesn't even go into the oversized luggage. It doesn't. Yeah. So, you know, the DK golf bag, like yeah. they got to put the, the orange label on it. Right. And they got to take it into the special you gotta section hope that it comes out. Yeah, exactly. You like you're when you're waiting for, um, Try and find oversized the baggage claim. Airport you're in. Yeah, it's always a process. But yeah, this bag, like, they basically look at it like it's just a luggage bag with clothing. So it just, like, totally flies under the radar. I, I actually managed to pack all of my clothes for a week. Actually, I think it's the monogram one, right? 10 days. I guess what it's called? Maybe. Maybe. Like, it Sounds resembles right. the new We the People one. Kind of just a rectangular. Yeah. It's not like the. Because for a second I was thinking of like the hawk nest one. No, it's not that kind one. Kind of like a that slim DK version. Yeah, I had used this one, I think, when we the people were still like working on prototyping that still. Yeah. Or maybe, I think it was also like pandemic time, so they didn't have any to spare. Right. Mm-hmm. But hopefully I could get my hands on one of those eventually. Yeah, I mean, the we the people that's one a similar sick, style. Honestly. It's very like pretty looking. It's like a nice looking bag and it has like a lot of little like um, a lot of little like zippers and extra storage that like if you're like a a packing nerd, you're like happy to have. You're like, oh, I can put this here and I'll put my pegs here and I'll put my sprocket. And, you know, you like have a little spot for everything. Yeah, those are dialed. I like I'm almost almost to the point where like I want to get a second bike bag because I mean I love my golf bag for when for example like I'm going back home to New York and you know I'm bringing shit from here and I have the room to have my bike have clothes and have you know gifts or whatever for for the family and I have the space for Kilos it in that of bag cocaine. 
Yeah. And then also vice versa to bring shit from home here. Mm-hmm. More kilos of cocaine. Exactly. Yeah. But then the essentials. But then, you know, like a riding trip or whatever where I don't need like I don't utilize all that space. It would be nice to maybe have something like the Odyssey one or the We the People one where it's comes with normal luggage and it's just my bike and maybe a few t shirts or whatever I don't fit in my my backpack that I bring with me. Gotcha. So, yeah, I think so I'm pretty close to getting a second bike bag just for more short kind of riding trip style things. Yeah, that's that's an interesting way to look at it. I didn't think about it just having both. Like mm-hmm. I guess I guess if you got it like that, you yeah, can Yeah, I mean, shit. You can just <laughs> double up on your bike bags yeah, and then have well. one. Like I would I would say that if you're going on like a longer trip, like an international trip, to use the um you know, like the Odyssey style micro bike bag because then going flying international and like they're they check your shit a little tighter and like Mm -hmm. it's a longer flight and it's more of like a headache you want to minimize sneaking a bike through luggage without paying the hundred dollar bike fee Mm -hmm. which i still don't know if that's even real like that's always been like a have you ever paid the hundred dollar bike fee um you've flown a lot of bikes too a lot more than me yeah, I mean, I had to, I mean, for the most part, it's, I always, I never have to pay. But they, you have like, before? Like you've gotten popped for I mean, having this, a bike? This recent time I went to Paris, I had to pay leaving. Really? Leaving the How airport, much was yeah. it? 150 maybe. Fuck, really? And it was like, because like in my head, you know, I've been asked enough time. like I have kind of like the. You have like your line. I have the questions that they're going to ask and I know how to respond. Like I kind of like. Sports equipment. Sports equipment. Yeah. Bike parts. Or it's like skate stuff because if it's like skate equip, I say like skate equipment because it's Mm -hmm. like, what is skate equipment? Skateboards or whatever. Like I feel like in my head, like I wouldn't be lying because like, oh, BMX is kind of like skateboarding, right? Like Uh it's kind of this. It fits in this bag and it's kind of like skateboarding. So why is it, you know, this weird thing? But anyway, so like I have these kind of like lines that I would say to certain questions and, uh, and yeah, I don't know. Like the woman was asking me like, what was it? I don't know. Like, oh, is this like, cause I am pretty sure the ticket was. I forget what the ticket was, like if it was just a checked bag or it was like a special bag. I forgot exactly what it was. And then she's like, oh, this is like a golf bag. Like, because usually it's no problem with like it being a golf bag. Like, yeah, it's just a golf bag. Like, I don't know. I forgot exactly what she asked, but, but basically, basically she, she was asking she kind of like talked me questions. into like, she kind of talked me into where my answer fit. Like, okay, now you have to pay. Oh, and I was I just see. kind of like really confused and at the, it's like one of those things like getting kicked out by a security guard, like you're not really going to argue with the guy. He's not going to like, he's pretty firm on his thing. Like she was kind of firm. Like she's you not going to too much. She's like, okay, just, you're not flying today. Yeah. They're like, all right, fuck you. And like, you're trying to make your fly and it's like, okay, what is it? Yeah. Whatever. I just pay it. Yeah. But honestly, from that time, I don't think I've really ever had much much of a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think nine out of ten times. Yeah, 
you don't have an issue. I actually, I was close to getting popped. I thought flying out of Barcelona when mm-hmm. we went in like 2017, was yeah. it? Yeah. I think the so. guy was, he pretty much asked me straight up. He was like, is there a bicycle in there? <laughs> and I was like, there are some bicycle parts right. and sports equipment. And he was like, so there's not a bicycle in there. And I said, no. And he went, okay. And he just moved it along. So yeah, I feel like that's one maybe of those, he respected like, me for just lying. Bike parts. Yeah, yeah. I because was. It's I, not a bike. Per I se. thought he was gonna open it, and especially because I don't it's think, all I don't taken apart. Because yeah, like for I didn't a while, know. I used to be nervous that they would open yeah. it there. But what were you saying? Yeah, I didn't know whether they have like the authority, the authority. to open your bag because, like, obviously the TSA and like mm. the security. They can open your bag, see what's inside, dig around, yeah. whatever. You know, you get the little tag in there that says, you know, TSA was You're fucking like, with hey, your we're shit. Hey, we are just here hanging out. Yeah, we're ch- scoping out your your dirty clothes and your fucking dirty tires. But yeah, um, never, never paid on any flight, international or domestic. But yeah. having that, that little bag... And just not even have it look twice at was worth the That's trouble of taking apart my bike. And to me, putting together a bike is not difficult. Like a BMX bike is so simple. There's no brakes. There's no gears. Yeah. Uh, if you're brakeless, assuming, which pretty pretty much all our homies are brakeless, except for Gang now. And Franco. Franco, shit. The brake boys are uh, <laughs> expanding. But yeah, I mean, like you said, like, I mean, taking it apart and putting like, as far as putting in a bag to go trout, it's like, I don't care. I'll just take off the extra things I need to take off. At the end of the day, it's an extra five minutes of work for, I don't know. Yeah. I you know, like you. you get the people like, oh, I got to take off all this shit to put in the bike bag. And it's like, I don't know. I don't see a, a problem. Yeah. Not a big deal. So you told me you've been uh, riding a bit lately, right? What have you been up to? Because your ribs um, are still kind of bothering you. Yeah, I've just kind of been you know, taking it day by day. Just been doing a lot of throughout the day, uh, putting on like a, an ice pack on my ribs. Because it's like the muscle in between the ribs. So it's kind of a weird thing to... It's not like I can just take off, take like the massage ball or like a massage gun and, you know, work on it a bit. Mm-hmm. And it's also weird because it feels... It's not it's like, like a muscular to, in- injury, but it kind of is. It's not like yeah, you broke your rib. I mean, I mean, yeah, what they're called, like they're intercoastal muscles. So, I don't know, just the muscles in between and it's like... I've been to the doctor and they kind of like... I mean... The first time I went to the doctor, they didn't really like explain to me fully. Like, oh yeah, it's muscle muscle shit. You, you, you Were they heal it Spanish for too? heal it for a few days, and that's what whatever. And then I went back because I was like, man, like when I touch my ribs, and like obviously now thinking thinking about it makes sense, but like when I like kind of push on my ribs, it's painful. Mm-hmm. And I know obviously a broken rib, I would be in. 
you know, severe like pain. I wouldn't be breathe, able to do. They say. Yeah, exactly. Like I wouldn't be able to do much. So I, I knew it wasn't a broken rib, but I don't know, maybe like a bruise on the rib or something just because I'd never had a intercoastal muscle shit happen before. So I was like, is this what I'm supposed to be feeling? Like when I push on my rib, am I supposed to feel pain? So like I went back and it was a di- different doctor, but she was like, oh, you're, you're back already. Like it hasn't even been this many days. I was like, yeah, but I mean, I'm feeling this pain and I wanted to make sure it wasn't, you know, anything related to apart from a muscle thing or whatever. Yeah. Make sure and it just wasn't like the way, more severe. And it was like so annoyed because the way she was kind of like speaking and like telling me it was like basically like you're a fucking idiot and it's kind of this so like if it was a broken Stupid rib American. you wouldn't even be able to like be here so relax mm-hmm. it's a fucking and I was just like alright yeah chill like your fucking colleagues didn't tell me exactly what it was so sorry for coming in here five minutes for you to do your job but yeah condescending doctors suck exactly yeah she was just so fucking condescending about it and I was like just in here because i'm concerned and you're mm-hmm. like oh but you're a fucking idiot because it's the muscles in between your ribs it's like all right yeah well i never had this before so god forbid i'm a little weary about it yeah i had a similar thing with a doctor i thought i had like some uh thought i had some gnarly rash that was like fuck what was it i thought i had scabies and right. You know, I basically had all the symptoms and Mm -hmm. I thought there was a good chance. So I like suggested to him, I was like, could this possibly be scabies? Like, look at the rash, like, look at Mm -hmm. yada, yada. Like, it's fucking extremely itchy. Like, I can't sleep. And he was like, you got poison ivy. Like, don't be you fucking. Are you a doctor? He's like, it's like, I'm a doctor. This is poison ivy. He's like, here's some cream. Don't come back here again. It's like, all right, buddy. It's just, it's like, just so annoying that they think they can I, just. Yeah. He was, he was like an old, he was like a 67 year old, like old man doctor. So he was probably like, it's fucking kids these days. They go on WebMD, think they know yeah. everything. So I even like prefaced it. I was like, I was like, I'm just wondering, could it possibly be this? Exactly. And he immediately was like, no, you're wrong. I'm a doctor. Fuck you. It's like, all right. It. Not coming to see you anymore. Yeah. Dr. Levities. Yeah, that, that's what it was. A, that like, was the motherfucker's I mean, name. Dr. Levities. Levity. <laughs> Bitch ass motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> you lost a patient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the the doctor I saw, she was like a younger, maybe like 30 something. But yeah, it was like. And she wasn't know, cool. I, that sucks. I had gone in there already kind of like, all right, I'm sure it's a muscle thing, but more so just a double check just mm-hmm. because I'm not like, I'd never you're trying to be experienced safe, this you're before. experiencing a new pain in a weird place. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what I was saying. I was like, yeah, you know, like, again, the first people that I saw never told me like intercoastal muscles, the muscles, I mean, like what I understood was like, oh, it's a muscle like behind or on the side of your rib or something. Mm-hmm. So naturally when i start pushing on my rib i'm like okay why is my rib rib hurt hurt. yeah yeah so i go with like all right i'm sure it's a muscle thing but just to double check and then i'm like you know like i've had muscle 
strains and whatever in the past and they've never like hurt like this she's like yeah well the ribs are a very different thing like i understand they're a different fucking thing but (laughs) it's like the bone hurts you know yeah and she's just telling me how wrong i am and how if it was a rib injury i wouldn't be able to do this and this and this and like listen i just came in here for a double check and she's you know like why the fuck are you even here you're so wrong i can't believe you would think that mm-hmm. all this shit so you and didn't get x-rays then you don't know if you actually have broken ribs or not yeah it's just like but you you probably don't no i, I don't hopefully not yeah it was just like weird you know never had this muscle thing so like okay it's strange that when i push my ribs they hurt but it's a muscle thing i don't know gotcha uh, now it makes sense because i guess if the ribs are the muscles are between the ribs you push it's like you're moving the muscle extract with it. yeah like yeah. it's kind of expanding you're compressing the it yeah yeah so you've been writing that sense, like that she could have went about park. it uh, where have you been about cruising fucking know it all doctor yep so what have you actually been able to ride uh yeah so yesterday because i've it's one of those things where i mean now i'm at the point where i don't feel it like i did in the first couple of days like in the first couple of days i was hard to sleep um like taking deep breaths i i felt it and yeah, now I'm at the point where like I can, you know, kind of move my upper body a good amount. I can bend over, like touch my toes and take deep breaths without really feeling anything. So uh yesterday was like my first day in like a maybe like a week and a half, 2 weeks trying to do some sort of like physical activity cuz up until then I've just been like throughout the whole day putting ice then putting a heat pad ice heat pad taking some like anti-inflammatories just trying to like i said i can't like massage gun fucking just start banging on the thing so just been trying to do that as much as i could so yesterday i was feeling pretty good i was i wasn't really hurting so i kind of took the morning to do some stretching to see how i was feeling like my range of motion and everything and was feeling good so i was like i'm gonna go pedal around a bit uh yesterday i didn't really do much i just kind of did a little loop around town and did some flat ground stuff for a little bit but so you can like leave the ground yeah do some like 180s and stuff like that doesn't hurt a couple like fakie manuals and some nose manuals and so like and then, cruising yeah. plus you're not yeah, just, like i was just cr- out cruising, of the street not really bombing not really pushing yet. it yeah mm-hmm. maybe later in the That's week good, i'll though. go to skate park and, and see what i can you know what feels good but like yeah, skate park today, riding like you won't you nothing would really hurt until you bail which like at the park right. i feel like you get a little too comfortable you start like trying some shit and then yeah you're on the ground and See, that like, could hurt your yeah like ribs just area. kind of weird not weary but like i really just want to make sure that because i don't want to be it's such a weird random injury i don't want to 
go back into trying to ride hard again and then end up like pulling it or straining it again and then being back at setback for where another I was. couple weeks yeah. yeah because it's such a like it's so hard to gauge that maybe one like double peg hard 180 yank kind of affects the ribs in a certain way and i end up pulling it or whatever mm-hmm. so in that respect i'm kind of like taking it easy for now for like some hard yank motions or anything too kind of jerky yeah dude take it easy on those hard yank motions on the hard yanks not too much jerking yeah (laughs) (laughs) you said it i I walked into it yeah you did you did so yeah yeah. that's good i'm glad you're uh you're rolling again it almost sounds a little bit similar to like a back injury where you kind of just have to pause physical activity and uh, yeah. kind of stay immobilized in that area. I guess you I was, can't really bend your your ribs and your chest too much, but it's just a weird injury that you can't really do much to, to make exactly. it heal faster than other other than just rest. You can't go to yeah, physical but, therapy for your ribs. Yeah, and that's the whole thing that's been so annoying about this whole, like, you know, you pull a muscle in your arm or whatever, you're still going to at least go ride and cruise as much as you can or your leg or whatever. But being that it's a fucking rib muscle and like, it was just a weird, it was painful, you know, to where the first week I was literally doing nothing. And I was like, doing like the the fred and like trying to like stay so straight and like immobilize my upper half that i was like bending down like how fred would be bending down in like the mm-hmm. early days of his injury and stuff cuz it just hurt to to just move and turn and twist yeah that's miserable yeah yeah so that was just like super annoying cuz it was you know, you fall and you break your ankle. Like there's a moment where like, okay, I did this and I heard it by bailing in this way. And I know how I did it, but like this You're trying to film a switch hanger 180 on the back yeah. of the bench. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on a weird sticky bench. Yeah. With bolts sticking out of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, but this was like the neck, like, you know, like I said, I mean, I was doing jujitsu and then riding and stuff, but like there wasn't a, Oh shit, I fucking tried to ha- hard 720 and I pulled my rib muscle. Tried just like to roundhouse kick sensei yeah. <laughs> one and uh pulled my shit. Yeah, there was not that. Yeah. I just woke up the next injury. day I was like, "Fuck. Hurts really bad." Yeah, that's similar to even uh Fred's injury. He didn't really have like a this is yeah. when I broke my spine, <laughs> but it was like a slow slow process to yeah. to where suddenly he was in terrible pain so yeah. injuries are I mean, weird for, they suck. yeah for now i'm gonna say i'm chalking it up to overuse overuse intense like starting jujitsu intensively kind of diving into it going you know almost every day and then also riding a lot so i'll chalk it up to overuse and yeah. Gotcha. 
So we've been running for a minute. I think uh, now's a pretty good time to wrap it up. We had uh, a couple different ideas of uh, stuff to talk about, but I think we could save it for another time. Yeah, for sure. I actually got a couple boring errands to run. Yeah, I got some food to eat. Dogs to walk, that sort of thing. Yeah. But maybe uh, just as we're wrapping it up, uh, I wanted to say thanks to this dude, Connor, for uh, hitting me up on Instagram. Uh, he saw the clips that I'd filmed at this bench spot in Queens and was just asking for like some tips on Smith Hards. And, you know, started saying that like he listens to the podcast and like he, uh, you know, gets him hyped to ride. He like listens to it at work. And that's awesome. Like, so stoked yeah. to hear any yeah. sort of like feedback. Like, and I think that's like the ultimate compliment that it like makes him want to go sure. riding and like yeah. gives him something to look forward to later. So that's really sick. Thank you. Uh, he yep. was C sick on Instagram. What is and, it? Uh, C S I C C K at obviously. And I'm not sure where he's from. But yeah, good luck with Smith Hards. Hopefully, my uh, my couple bullet points were some help because it, it's a tough one to learn. Definitely, a it's tough a weird one. trick, right? Yeah, yeah. Oddly enough, um, you know the way I learned them first, and the way like I kind of primarily do them, I guess, is because I'm goofy footed and everything is technically a switch switch. So like switch mm-hmm. Smith, switch spin but looks completely normal when I do it because yeah. of my goofy footedness. But then when I go to do like my normal grind and my normal spin, which would looks to be completely switch, it's just so it's hard regular, for me. Regular, regular. I mean, but it's I, harder. I would say I like to think now I've gotten better at it, but like in the beginning it was like, it was so hard to, I don't know what it was. I think it's just that, front foot spin sometimes even though that it's like my natural spinning side it just makes things a bit awkward at first yeah mine are exactly the same except only halfway as uh fucked as you so yeah. like the way that i learned them i think you were there zach maron i mean we, yeah we both learned them we learned it was it the same that, session? i sent you that video not too long ago yeah i didn't know if that was the same day same yeah, session it was the same day but, yeah but yeah i do regular smith opposite 180 and that was the way that i learned them first and it just like once i learned to do like the fat kid hop sort of like mm-hmm. nolly they just like clicked and yeah even though it's switch spin it's like i do enough tricks spinning switch that 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 yeah. rollout feels comfortable enough at this point and mm-hmm. learning them opposite smith regular spin 180 was way harder and yesterday so awkward that took me way more it took me like i don't know like eight or ten tries it was also like end of the session tired sun was going down i was kind of like pushing myself to to do it quickly and that Mm. makes everything harder but yeah that the switch smith regardless of the direction of the spin makes the hard way harder for sure yeah yeah i mean as like we were talking before the podcast, like I feel like my main issue with the Smith hards on my like normal side 
the front foot spin, I would always try and spin almost like away from the ledge as if I was doing like a double peg hard or a feeble hard or whatever. Like mm-hmm. I wanted to go away. And I don't know, maybe it was just doing a, a Smith hard the way that I was comfortable with first and then the kind of like realizing. Because I think at a certain point, once you do them a lot, you kind of become, you just do it. You don't think too much about it. Yeah. So I think I did a Smith hard the other way and I was like, oh, I kind of like sit back and like I throw my weight over behind the ledge almost. Mm-hmm. So then I kind of took that concept and sat back a bit more and then threw my weight, you know, over behind the ledge. You almost like just preload worked. the spin. Like you yeah. almost like start the spin early and then you like pull your bike to follow. Right. Kind of. That's the way I like think about it. But yeah, once I like kind of did the other one and thought about it and then d- went back and I was like, all right, let me try this. Like it just made so much more sense. Mm-hmm. Cause like we were saying, like you kind of end up almost behind the ledge. Yeah. Like if the ledge didn't have an ending, you'd be doing a Smith hard un- yeah. up onto it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, with some tries, you finally figure it out. Maybe nose dive it like I did my first mm-hmm. ones. Yeah. Some people get shit for that. Doing yeah. like the Smith to like nose 180 on the flat ground. But I think that's happens. probably a stepping stone where you can uh, you can refine them from there. Yeah, because from there, then you kind of learn how to like level the bike out and get the good pop and level the bike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all that. I had stuff. Tr- I still but, have trouble doing them on small ledges, like mm. anything that's only like three, four inches over like tire height. Like yeah. you know, like the bare minimum ledge right. that you can grind. Mm. Those always like I under rotate and I just can't hold the rollout. Like I need a little more fall down time. Same thing with feeble threes. Like that feeble three I did in the line <laughs> yeah, took yeah. a bunch of extra tries too because I kept under rotating and doing that like stall out landing. You know when you're like just uh, over yep. two seventy and your wheels turned and you just like stop. I did that a bunch. Yeah. Also, a rat ran under my tire. One of the tries. Oh man! When I was going up to the feeble, but you can't really see it in the footage, so I didn't try to splice it in. All right, I think that's enough talking about Smith Hard. <laughs> um, we're gonna also just uh, Craig and Charlie put out a new video, a uh, not a strictly riding video, but something a little different. Part of the uh, Charlie's Angles series. Uh, love the name dude it's great the the title of the video is uh craig Passero, long island legend charlie's angles <laughs> and uh, i love that he used long island legend because i've used that term a couple times on the podcast and gotten some shit for it specifically yeah. i always call johnny nemesek long island legend and factual a buddy of ours dylan o'leary thinks that's hilarious because <laughs> you know he's just johnny's friend he's like fucking right. johnny a long island legend but johnny's definitely a long island legend for sure for sure for yeah sure. gotta give him that title kills it yeah but yeah that video is really good it's like sort of uh i want to say it's like almost like a narrated like documentary of a couple trips charlie took to new york mm-hmm. right it's like um 
it's voiceovered. Yeah. And there's like montages of just riding. The second song, it's also a tale of uh, suffering living in New York where the weather sucks a lot of the time. Because Charlie drove all the way down here from Buffalo and it rained. Pretty sure both times he got some rain. Yeah, seemed like the first time was the worst. And then the second time he came, the weather was better for at least part of his visit. And that section of the video has a really good song. Bunch of good riding. Worth a watch for sure. Really fun. It's clip in there. Two clips, maybe. Oh yeah, shit. Yeah, I got a um a couple parking nose garage ice. clips. Nose to ice on a Sabrosa rail. Nose pegs hard. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking pegs hard guy. Dude, it's it's getting to that point. I finally <laughs> figured him out where I can almost just like hit the pegs hard button. Yeah. I haven't done it down anything yet. That's actually why I wanted to um try it on that handrail because yeah. I was like, okay, I can do them on like flat bars now, like. This thing's got some height off the end. I just got to like, you know, give it a yank. But next time, hmm. perhaps. Perhaps. Uh, we're going to talk about maybe the USL series, but I haven't had a chance to watch them yet. So maybe we'll do that next time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But that do it when you get a chance watching. to watch them because Either they're way. pretty good. Yeah, you've seen them. It's the USL yeah. Vamos series. Vamos. Presented by Skate Pro. Skate Pro indeed, yeah. That's uh it's a video series based around uh Parallel, the spot in Barcelona, which I think is a pretty cool concept. Being yeah. so sort I, of a, I, a street spot slash skate park. Yeah. Sort of in that gray area. Yeah, so I think the concept was similar to I guess most of their kind of video things that they like 24 hours or whatever. Oh, was there a time limit on it too? Yeah, I think it was just a day. Ooh. Damn. I'm most positive it was just a day maybe. And then uh and then yeah, it was split up into teams of just kind of all the local dudes, everyone who kind of lives there and stuff. And and yeah, it was just filmed there and the the homie Santi filmed everything, and you know, with help from everyone, I guess whoever was there. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, they came out really really sick. Santi killed it. Everyone killed it. More VX but, footy too, right? Yeah, keeping them going. But yeah, definitely. Once you watch them, we can discuss it more because crazy shit, crazy shit. Yeah, the trailer looked really good. Yeah. Francis, I'm jealous of his editing skills. God, maybe I can <laughs> hire him for some lessons or something. Yeah, you should. Because the, the trailer is cut really well. It, like, teases some shit and uh, mm-hmm. doesn't give away the, like, enders. But then there's obviously some writing in there. There's some, like, B-roll. Yeah. I don't know, it's just cut good. Got anything else? Any other uh, parting thoughts? Uh, the 22 Crew All-Stars video. If you haven't seen that yet, check that out. That is a fantastic watch. Yeah. Uh, put, from, put, I started that was put watching together it. By, that was put together by Joram. 
Oh shit, that's made by Joram? Yeah. Oh, okay. Nice, nice. Yeah, so that was put together by Joram and stuff and Yeah, I gotta finish watching that. And then that I was, was uh, like all like the, the twenty two crew dudes, the Boosie Bike guys, Basil, Janos, that whole crew. From uh Hard. Switzerland. But yeah. So those, those are some like skate pro affiliates, right? Yeah. Yeah, Basil, Janos, Joram. Word. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, saying I tried to watch it, but then you were on here ready to record. Yeah. Like, All right, I missed my opportunity. <laughs> I think it's like an 11 minute video. So yeah. I want to like sit down and, you know, watch it proper. Maybe like with a cup of coffee, you know, on the on the TV. Other than yeah, it's phone. definitely one that you want to like, like you said, sit down, put on the TV, watch. Because, um, I mean, I think I think you've seen some of Joram's videos that he's put together and stuff. Like he's super, like when he's editing, he's super hyper, like he's hyper focused and crazy with details and knows exactly how he wants his videos and shit that he works with to like come out and a certain vibe that he wants it to have so you know he puts a lot of time and effort into it and even when we were there uh doing that bcn skate pro trip like he was i mean at that point it was already almost basically done but i think basilian janos stayed a little bit longer to finish up filming for that but even at that point, it was near like nearly finished, and I mean, in my eyes, it was finished. It was so good, but like Joram was there, like kind of nitpicking himself, like "Oh fuck, I want this to be like this way," and kind of put some finishing touches on the certain areas, and yeah, I don't know, but he puts a lot of work into it, and it came out really good. Gotcha, yeah, I'm looking forward to finishing that. Definitely yeah. could could take that just from the intro. Could see the amount mm -hmm. of effort you put into it. Yeah. Big vibes. Big vibes, fam. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say some uh, some podcaster shit. Uh, Do it. I saw there's like some reviews on iTunes. I think they're like good reviews too. They're like five stars and shit. Oh, so if you uh, if you like this podcast. Review it on uh on Apple Podcast thing. That'd be tight. Throw up some stars. I'm not sure what what benefit there is to that, but I don't know. Make me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, if you want to make Justin feel good, give it five stars. Give it five stars. No, give it however many you want. Yeah. However many you want, but at least don't go under four. Five. Yeah. As long as it's like close to five, I'm happy. Yeah. All right, so there's a podcast Instagram at Sore Losers BMX Podcast. Thinking about shortening it. We'll see. <laughs> I'm on Instagram at Jacobly. Figure out how to spell it. <laughs> uh, this guy's at Austin underscore Mazer, but he's got plenty of followers, so he's probably good. Yeah. I think that's it. Uh, we're going to try to do maybe next week a Queen's Kids uh, sort of more in-depth 
maybe get one of the queen's kids on board. So we'll see. Yeah. But if you've made it this far and you're still indoors, just go outside, ride your bike, enjoy yourself. Yep. Bunga. Bunga.